is the most celebrated woman in the history of the world. She has inspired painters, poets, and musicians all over the world. T.S. Eliot wrote about her, so did Dante, W.H. Auden, and Hopkins. Dozens of classical artists, including Giovanni Bellini and Leonardo da Vinci, painted her. Mary is also the most highly respected woman of Islam. In fact, there's more written about her in the Quran than in the Gospels. Mary is the most celebrated woman in the history of the world, and yet most modern-day Protestants don't know quite what to make of her. Truth be told, the only time many of us invoke her name is during a nail-biting football game. Most Protestants don't know what to make of Mary. Why is that? The late Reverend Peter Gomes said it's because we all think that she's a Catholic. <laughs> the confusion about Mary began during the Reformation. Prior to that, she was an object of devotion, veneration, and prayers. Bits of her hair and patches of her clothing had shown up, had shown up in churches all over Europe. People came from miles and miles away to behold them. Well, years later, when the church needed extra funds, it began charging people to see and touch those Mary relics. The Protestant reformers were, were appalled. Their motto was faith alone. As a result, they swept away all the religious relics, including any mention of Mother Mary. And the loss, I conclude, is deeply ours. I love Mary. And I always have for two reasons. The first is my grandmother, my mother's mother, who the grandkids affectionately called Granny. She was a devout Catholic. She was also a strong-willed Ohio farm woman who always insisted on doing the driving. Granny drove a 1957 aqua blue Chevy with red vinyl interior and gangster white walls. Her favorite ride also had a metal dashboard. When's the last time you were in a car with a metal dashboard? Now, Granny wasn't a bad driver. The problem was she was just over five feet tall and she could barely see over the steering wheel of that big rig. There were no fancy electric up and down power seats back then, so instead she sat on a bed pillow. It would not be overstated to say that each time we rode with her, we were more than a little nervous, which is why I was always thankful when before she put her Chevy into drive, she had this ritual. She would reach into her glove box and retrieve a magnetic statue of the Blessed Virgin, stick it on that metal dashboard facing traffic. The whole experience gave new meaning to the words, Hail Mary. But I got to tell you, looking back, I am so thankful for Granny and her Mary statue. I'm thankful because she taught me about the real-life Mary. Instead of being a homebound, passive, and unquestioning person, Granny's Mary was out there in the real world navigating the highways and byways of life. Granny's Mary, like her, had a strong will, a pondering heart, a questioning mind, and a very courageous faith. Hence the second reason that I love Mary, her courageous faith, a faith that changed the history of the world. 
a faith that became the vessel for a spiritual revolution of mercy and justice and love. It is why New Testament scholar Raymond Brown rocked the religious world when he hailed Mary as the first disciple. Amen to that. When the angel Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. What he was really saying was, Greetings, favored one, the Lord has a new plan for your life. And Mary, after pondering this, replied, Let it be. Now, it is unfortunate that historically all the focus and fuss about Mary's virginity has overshadowed her faith legacy. In our first reading for this morning from Isaiah, the Hebrew word alma is best translated young woman or young unmarried woman. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman with child, and she shall bear a son, and she shall name him Emmanuel. Now, hundreds of years later, when they linked Isaiah's prophecy to the Gospels, the scribes opted not to translate the word Alma. Rather, they chose a Greek word that translated virgin. Additionally, Roman Catholics are taught that Mary's virginity was perpetual, that Mary was a virgin before, during, and after the birth of Christ. Protestants struggle with this one because Jesus clearly had named brothers and unnamed sisters in the Bible. So was she or wasn't she a virgin? Honestly, it doesn't change this powerful story one little bit either way. That's because the core message here is all about Mary's courage and her faith. So let's take a closer look. Follow me along on this passage. Mary had her life all planned out. She was engaged to a wonderful young man. Her parents were thrilled. It would be a spring wedding with all the trimmings. Already she had found the perfect dress. The synagogue was booked. The florists, the invitations, the receptions, everything was scheduled and going according to plan. And then it happened, the annunciation of a lifetime. Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. I am reminded of John Lennon's famous quote, Life happens to us when we are busy making other plans. Mary wrote the book on that one. Life happens to us when we are busy making other plans. So much for the big wedding, cancel the bridal shower, return the dress, forfeit the deposit on the reception. One two-minute exchange forever changed the direction of her life. So ask yourself this morning, has that ever happened to you? Has an angel ever visited you? I would wager that the answer is yes. The word angel in the Greek means simply messenger. Wings are not required. Angels can be anyone, a relative, a friend, a complete stranger, or sometimes even a little child. And it happens like this. We think we have our life all planned out, and suddenly we hear a voice that says, Be not afraid, you can do this. The angel or messenger calls us to embrace small and large challenges that are both vulnerable and meaningful. That's the key here. 
The challenges have to be vulnerable and meaningful. That's the voice of an angel. A voice that says, you can do a reading in church. You can light the Advent candle. You can sing that anthem. You can lead the construction project. You can change your career or job mid-career. You can follow that dream you've been repressing for years. You can be a vessel just like Mary for new life in your congregation, your community, and your country. Greetings, favored one, the Lord needs you, to which Mary replied, let it be. Now, we've all heard the expression, life begins at the end of our comfort zone. My nuanced version of that is, new life begins at the end of our comfort zone. But it's never easy, is it? That's because new life and new beginnings require us to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. New life and new beginnings require us to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. The instant Mary replied, let it be, she stepped out of her comfort zone. As Brene Brown has taught us, in order to step out of our comfort zones, we must become vulnerable. And because we all fear vulnerability, we avoid it. We fear vulnerability because we've been taught that vulnerability is a sign of weakness. In fact, it's just the opposite. In Brene Brown's words, vulnerability is our most accurate measurement of our courage. I love that. Vulnerability is our most accurate measurement of our courage. Mary received the annunciation of a lifetime, and it was from a place of vulnerability and courage that she answered, let it be. And the result was new birth, the birth of a new religion called Christianity. But it didn't stop there. Jesus' birth was only the beginning of Mary's faith journey. Stop and think about it. She was the only person to know Jesus his entire life. She gave birth to him. She nursed him. She bathed him. She sang songs to him. Years later, he came to her and informed her that God had called him into a second career. In that instant, she received the second annunciation of her life. And I suspect she responded as any mother would have. Why on earth would you leave your father's carpentry business and become a rabbi? Believe me, my parents said that to me. (laughs) Why would you leave your father's restaurant business and become a minister? But then Mary remembered that visit from the angel Gabriel. She looked her son in the eye and she said, All right, I support you, but I'm coming with you. And she did. That first disciple followed Jesus all the way to Jerusalem. On the way, she proudly watched as he delivered his Sermon on the Mount. And she was even prouder the day he welcomed little children when everyone else, including his other disciples, were chasing them away. And weeks later, she watched helplessly as the events of his life tragically unfolded, events that led to a mock trial and a crucifixion. And this, the unthinkable, When it was all over, she helped the others prepare her son's body for burial. 
She literally cradled him on the first day and the last day of his life. So I say, hail Mary. Kathleen Norris put it beautifully. Mary faithfully proceeds, as we all must do in life, making our commitment without knowing much about what it will entail or where it will lead. And then she says this, I treasure this story because it forces me to ask, when the mystery of God's love breaks through into my consciousness, do I fearfully run from it? Do I ask of it what I cannot answer? Shrugging, do I retreat into facile cliches? Or am I virgin enough to respond from my deepest, truest self and say something, a new, a yes, that will forever change me? Three weeks from today, many of us will be formulating our New Year's resolutions, personal things like eating less and saving more, same old, same old. So I got to thinking perhaps we should all make a Christmas resolution instead. Make a Christmas resolution instead. So how do we do it? We start by pondering the enunciations we are holding in our hearts, by pondering what gift we can give to the world, what love needs to be shared, what mercy needs to be granted, what justice needs our voice, what generosity is waiting to be born, what worthy cause is keeping us up at night, in what ways is God calling us to bring peace on earth and goodwill to all. And then the biggie then we have to ask ourselves the question. Am I virgin enough to respond from my deepest, truest self and say something new, a yes that will change me forever? And finally, may we embrace our vulnerability and courage by faithfully stepping out of our comfort zones and whispering, let it be. Mm-hmm.